Are you looking for inspiration on a daily basis? Well, check out Build to Heal Teas. With our inspirational teas, you're sure to find something that will inspire you. Just go to dealtoheelteas.myshopify.com. That's Deal to Heal Teas. Put some inspiration in your situation. Wear inspirational tea and be inspired all day. That's Deal to Heal Teas at Deal to Heal Teas. That my Shopify.com. Hey guys, this is Ernest James, host of the Deal to Heal with E. James podcast. And I got a question to ask you Could you buy me a cheeseburger? Better yet, could you buy me a value meal? Yes? Well, guess what? I don't need a value meal. However, for the cost of a value meal, you can support this podcast to keep us on the air. Just go to Patreon slash Deal to Heal podcast and choose any one of the three tiers that's available. And if you just want to make a one-time donation, go to Cash App and make a donation to dollar sign E. James, the number 418. Make a one-time donation to the Cash App or again, go to Patreon to support this podcast and keep us on the air. Thanks in advance. Be blessed. Welcome to Deal to Heal with E. James Podcast. On this podcast, my guest and I will discuss topics and ways to help us to heal in every area of our lives. I believe that everyone can live a life that is happy, healthy, and whole. So I'm on a mission to help people to deal, heal, and fulfill. Deal with your problem, heal from the pain, and fulfill your purpose. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get to it. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Deal to Heal with E. James podcast. I am your host, Ernest James, and I believe that everyone can and should live a life that is whole, healed, and healthy. And therefore, I'm on a mission to help people to deal, heal, and fulfill, to deal with your problems, to heal from the pain, and to fulfill your purpose. Thank you guys once again for tuning in to the Deal to Heal with E. James podcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe, like, share, um, yeah, to all of our social media pages, all of our um, podcast outlets. Please uh, make sure that you guys uh, follow us on our YouTube page. Um, we're definitely trying to get our subscribers up there. Um, but on our YouTube page, you can see all the videos and some extra things that we've done, um, some extra materials that we have on there um, on our YouTube page. So please Follow us there. Also, our Facebook page, where we can uh, we are able to more contact with you guys to dialogue dialogue more freely on information that we can't necessarily put inside of the podcast uh, recording, but we can share with you with new events and things that is going on um, on a day to day basis. Uh, and also, our YouTube, not YouTube, our Spotify. Follow us on Spotify or your favorite. Um, podcast audio uh, distributors. So again, if you haven't already, listen, like, subscribe, and share to the podcast. Also, make sure you guys stay to the end. I'm going to tell you how you can win $100 
from the podcast for being a super subscriber, but you got to stay to the end to get that information. However, today, just like any other day, we are blessed with a guest, Miss Francine. How are you doing tonight? Today, rather. I'm doing well, and it is great to be here. All right. All right. Thank you very much. First of all, let me say thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing your time uh, with myself and the listeners, because you could have been doing anything else. But you're here with us, and we definitely appreciate it. So we're going to jump right in, uh, Ms. Francine. Could you start us off for, first of all, tell our listeners uh, who you are and what it is that you do. All right. My name is Francine. I am a life coach, and I have the opportunity to be able to walk alongside people, to help them on their journey of empowerment, to reach their goals, to thrive, to heal. And it is really something that I flourish in seeing people recognize just the power of their God-given choice to, to grow and to heal and to thrive. Oh, that, that, that sounds good. That sounds like a lot of power, powerful just messaging right there in <laughs> those words. I like that. I like that. So, uh, Francine, let's go back to the, to the beginning and kind of just give me your backstory on how you even came to join or to begin this journey of yours to becoming a life coach and, and helping other people. Yeah, for sure. Actually, it was you know, my, I had finished my undergraduate, a family, married, small children, homeschooler, all things. And I just felt impressed that I should go back to school for my master's degree in, in counseling. And so in that thought, I just kind of had this memory of myself, maybe around 12 years of age. And I would talk to kids who would ask me questions. And one time my mom asked me, she said, what do you tell kids when they talk to you? I said, well, I just tell them about Jesus. And so when I just had that thought, it was just confirmation for me um, to continue on with my studies in counseling because it was something that I naturally did even as a child. And the life coach piece came in because it was like for me long before, you know, being a coach was a buzzword. For me, it was being able to be an agent to coach people in their daily life, just like them being on a track. You know, a person can have skills, but when they go to their coach, they're perfected in their abilities, their God-given abilities. And it was like, for me, it's like being at that finish line, coaching them through as long as a person is willing to do the work, they will get to the finish line. Mm, mm, I like that. I like that. And so, Francie, I know that um, like your one of your passions is is building people and building uh, families. And I want to talk a little bit, little bit about just families in general and some of the the challenges uh, that they have. So I know when you're when you're working with with families, there's definitely different backgrounds and, and different problems uh, that they have, but even when, when starting with a family or families in general, what are some of the challenges that the, the modern family faces that, you know, when they come to you, just with a, 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 just a couple of examples of some of the challenges that they may have? I think one of the 
greatest challenges that families can face because they're really also individual challenges because you know families it's made up of of individuals is Mm -hmm. communications so you know in my undergraduate was in communications i started out in psychology but it was really key to recognize that it really takes strategies to really communicate and be an active listener so in other words as humans, we can do a lot of talking, mm-hmm. but that doesn't necessarily mean it's effective. Right. We, we bring our backgrounds with us into our families. Um, and if we aren't aware of what those elements are that affect our communication. So just say two people come together, they want to be married, they get married, but one comes from a communication background where they talked about everything. The other person comes from a communication background where they didn't talk about anything. One person comes from a communication background that was more harsh and more abusive. Um, So whatever we bring with us can be a part of the, the hindrance of our communication. So it's having that awareness of those things that can hinder our ability to communicate honestly and openly. Sometimes people can be more passive um because they don't want to upset someone because that's a pattern they learned or a pattern they saw you know someone else can be aggressive in their communication because that's what they heard or that's what they saw but even as adults it really doesn't matter what we saw yes we can be influenced but we also can be transformed that's the beauty of adulthood when you're in childhood you're underneath someone else's tutelage and sometimes some things go in are great sometimes things go in are not so great but that's not the end game because when a person is willing to do the work and really put their trust in, in, in God to help them through the process, you can actually learn better communication skills. You can learn how to listen and understand. You can become aware of things that are causing sensitivity. And sometimes for the modern family is really being able to make the time to have intentional conversations that isn't being competed with a screen or something like that, which those things aren't bad, but really to be able to hear someone's heart, whether it's a spouse, a child, you know, whatever it is, some things you don't get the richness of what's in someone's heart unless there's time made for that or moments made for that. Yeah, yeah, and and, and I, I agree with you uh, on a, a couple of things that you said. Number one, just going back and thinking, even on, on in my own upbringing, um, just with my my dad and my mom, and how different they were when it came to communication. And even now, we kind of joke about it that my dad came from a generation where men didn't necessarily say "I love you," right? right. <laughs> and at the same time, my mom would always say it. You know, and so um, my mom passed away some years ago. And so even now when we're dealing with my dad, every now and then, every now and then he'll say it, you know, and there's nine of us uh, as far as the, the children. And so every now and then he'll let it slip to one of us. And then we're, you know, uh, contact the other ones and be like, hey, dad, say he loved me today. You know, <laughs> and it's kind of like a, a running joke, you know, in, in our family. Um, but just to go to those uh, dynamics of the, the two people and how they communicate, even though they're together as a family, just communicating right. and how they 
uh, verbally express their love and how they can physically uh, express it. And even as you mentioned with time, when I was younger, my dad didn't say it at all. You know what I mean? So now as a, as a young man myself and him being as a a seasoned uh, gentleman, you know, he said more often than he used to. It's still, still a special occasion, you know, (laughs) but he he does say it a little more now. That's that time variable that has added on to it where because of, you know, the time and and it changes now that he's more comfortable with, with saying it. Um, Also, when we're when you were speaking about um you're speaking about the the ways that people communicate and sometimes you know when we're bringing our experiences in into a, a relationship or to start a family you know that definitely does play a part and it also not only does the what you see play a part but even how you react the reactions you know and so sometimes that also, like you said, and I definitely can uh, attest to, when you are speaking to uh, respond and not necessarily to understand, you know, right. then there's a break in the communication of, you know, of the of the family, which also adhere to the problems that you have because it makes it difficult to handle the problems that you're trying to address if you're not addressing them in a way that both sides are being heard. You know, and so right. I definitely uh, uh, understand that. And um, just as as adults, that's something that we got to learn. We and and we, we know we say it all the time, as far as communication being one of the you know key things in a relationship. But it's because it's true. Mm-hmm. You know, it's because it's true. We got to have the correct communication to be able to voice our opinions and also to agree or agree to disagree you know, with, with our partner and, and what's being said. So another thing I, uh, um, I wanted to talk about um, that I know you deal briefly with was also with is uh, forgiveness in the family. And I've had several uh, guests on and, and definitely our father, the fathers that I've had on. And we've had the chance to talk briefly about, you know, there has been times when as a, a father, or as a parent, but be, because it was usually the, the men that I was talking to, that we've had to go to our children and say, I'm sorry, you know? And I think that, first of all, just as a parent to be able to say, I'm sorry, or I was wrong, is a, a big step altogether. Um, a necessary step, I think it definitely is something that we have to humble ourselves as parents to be able to say, because in the reality of things, we make mistakes and we don't always, you know, do the right thing. And even if we do do the right thing, it doesn't always have the desired outcome just because it was the right thing to do, you know? And so when we're talking about forgiveness and and how it works within the family, what are some of the the tips that you may be able to give us to kind of help us deal with those kind of things? For sure. Um, what you were saying, I think, is really important um, because that is also something that can be affected by generations to be able to be a parent and authority figure and realize that it is important to be able to acknowledge mistakes. It's important to be able to acknowledge even 
wrong behaviors um, so that it's acknowledging your humanity, but it's also giving respect to the other person, especially if it's a child, because sometimes people don't consider that important enough to acknowledge because it's a child, kind of like I'm adult, why would I have to? But one of the points I looked at that is you're also teaching a child how to forgive by how you live, how you model it, as well as being willing to acknowledge their mistakes, being willing to see what that really looks like. Because it's one thing to talk about forgiveness, but it's another thing to model it. Um, because it's a choice. First off, it's a choice. And it's not a feeling. So sometimes you can choose to forgive someone and don't feel the emotions that follow. You can choose to not live in in bondage or in the pain or the hurt of the moment. And it becomes personal. Um, if you're a person of faith may look at it as like, okay, this is what the scriptures say that I should do. But even in that, it's still a surrender choice. And it does not negate the other person's behavior. Um, and even in our own wrongdoing, I feel like it's really in an empowering place because it's acknowledging an error, a mistake um, that you have done. But it's also saying, I value you enough to acknowledge my behavior. My intention wasn't to hurt you. Um, I acknowledge that if I offended you, forgive me. I mean, it's really being able to see forgiveness or even asking for forgiveness from a place of humility and power, not a place of weakness, because it takes great strength to step up to the plate um, and say, you know what, I think I, it, I think I messed up on that, or I did mess up on that, or my interpretation of what you said was wrong, or you committed to do something for a child and don't come through. Being able to, to acknowledge, wow, I didn't keep my word. Forgive me. I'm going to work to do better. So it's like forgiveness can be its own sense of medicinal healing to a wound when we're humbly willing um, to do so. And also recognizing that you don't have to wait to heal to receive someone's words will you forgive me sometimes people may never ask for it sometimes people pass away so it's it's not like you have to wait to hear those things you can also receive those things for your own heart because forgiveness is really to set the person who's hurt or wounded free from whatever transpired so that you don't have to carry that like a weight for the rest of your life. It's personal freedom. It's not, it's not demeaning or diminishing anything that was wrong, but it's stepping into a place of wholeness. Like Jesus made that example. He went through so many earthly things to show us how to live in this real life, earthly life. Yeah, and I, I agree with you on, on several things that you said. Uh, first of all, I want to go kind of go back to the beginning. And when you were talking about uh, the asking for forgiveness, you know, from your child, but in a way that respects the child, 
right? And and I think that is big because oftentimes, especially some of our uh, families where we are raised in, you know, by older generation who kind of believed, you know, do as I say and not as I do type thing, you know what I mean? And it was like, you know, I'm the boss more so uh, style of parenting, which, you know, was what it was, you know, but now I think that, you know, as we learn better, we do, we do better, you know, and so now it's, 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 it's kind of a, a place where we are now where it's okay to be able to have a discussion, you know, with your child to be able to come back and say, I was wrong for something that I said, I was wrong for something that I did. And to do it in a way that, again, it shows, uh, it shows an example of respect and it shows an example of, of forgiveness because your child is not always going to be, they're always going to be your child, but not, they're not always going to be a child, you know? And so because they're not always going to be a child, you have to start teaching them how to be able to act and react as adults. And to be able to, one of the main things to be able to react as an adult is to be able to say, I'm sorry, you know, is to be able to rectify the wrong and what you have done, uh, whether it be verbally or, or physically. And then not only that, when we start talking about forgiveness, um, again, like you said, the forgiveness is for you, not necessarily for the other person, not necessarily for the person who has, you know, hurt you or who has done something to you, but it's for to release you so that you no longer have to carry that burden. Because again, you may never get the apology. You know, you may never get the, uh, the, I'm sorry. You may never get you know, that person, and even sometimes if you do get the apology, you may not feel that it's genuine, you know, but you have to be in a place where you can openly say, I forgive you, whether you deserve it or not, you know, whether that other person deserves it or not, because I deserve it. I deserve to be able to go on with my life with a clear head and a clear mind and not carry the burdens of, of unforgiveness. You know, and so I, I think that definitely plays a, a big part in, you know, being able to uh, forgive, being able to definitely within our families, because um, I, I believe, and you can tell me, you know, your thoughts on this, you know, even with this, within this, within the mom and the dad, you know, or husband and wife, you know, just for them to be able to say, I'm sorry to one another, and to forgive one another, I think definitely sets precedent to uh, not only the the family unit before the children, but also gives more strength to the union, the union itself, a marriage itself, because it gives you that that buffer of you know to be able to make mistakes and rectify those mistakes. So, would you you think that would you agree with me that that's a, a logical? <laughs> assumptions what I say yes absolutely because it's also modeling um conflict resolution um mm -hmm. so that when when children see that example between their parents or even spouses and they're able to see them resolve a conflict and ask one another forgiveness or you know they know there's a problem, but then they see them work through it or get together and, and re-reconcile in, in, in a peaceful manner. Um, even if parents are parenting and they're not married, but they're co-parenting, even to have that grace with one another 
to lend that respect to parent because their parents, even though they're not together, or other people may be made, they may be married to other people or whatever that is, but giving that child that example of parents who go the extra mile when it is possible to show the children that they can um, operate, exchange communication and interact on their behalf in a way that's respectful. And I'll add to that, not tearing one another down to the children because no matter what, the child will still love both parents mm -hmm. and tearing a parent down in the eyes of the other person doesn't make the child better. It makes room for more injury. Mm -hmm. And so when children see that there's a level of, of forgiveness between parents or spouses, that's helpful. And every situation is different. There are some situations that can be forgiven, but not reconciled because mm -hmm. there may be abuse um, that has transpired with a child or someone. So there may be other things that may be deeper legal issues that might get involved. But even in that, that releasing of that anger or bitterness, not allowing hatred to come in, all of those things actually change the person inside, not the person outside. So um, I, I do agree like what you're saying, when children are able to see parents and spouses resolve conflict, work through things, um, it helps to model that as opposed to you know, like you're saying, the old school way, do as I say, not as I do. That's not working for this generation anyway. Um, so, you know, even when you coined it modern family, you know, it's not it's not working for this generation of children. You know, they, they want what's real and they want what's genuine. And to be able to live from an authentic place, not a perfect place, to be able to say, hey, even as a parent, I can acknowledge my behaviors. I can agree that we may not agree or see something the same way. But again, you can do all those things and still respect another person mm -hmm. because that's where respect of self um, comes through us to someone else. Because um, sometimes even a lack of self-respect can infiltrate communication um, because it appears that a person cares for themselves, but you can tell whether they care for themselves by how they treat other people. And that's a whole nother thing, but you know, but so yes, I think your, your point is a good point. Well, I'm, I'm, and I'm listening to, to what you were saying. And one of the words that I'm hearing in, in my mind is integrity, right? The integrity of the both people or all people that's, that's involved. Cause I remember, you know, one of the things that you said earlier is even like you, when you make a, a promise to a child that you're not able to come through on, you know, and that's where that integrity comes in to be able to say, I know I said I was going to do something and I didn't do it. Well, I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry. And, and make amends. And then being able to have the integrity enough to be a man or woman of your word. And even if that word is wrong, to be man or woman enough to admit that it's, it's wrong and taking accountability for your words, taking accountability for your actions, taking accountability of 
the effects of your words and actions and how they affect the other members of your family, especially your children. And, you know, one of the things that you said about, uh, especially if you're co-parenting, to not tear down the other parent in front of the children. And I always say that every child knows that they are the product of two people. And so they are made up of both of those people. So when you downplay or down talk or, uh, or you know, speak down on one of those two people, then part of that child is saying, well, you're saying part of me is no good. You know, whatever you're saying about, you know, my dad, whatever you're saying about my mom, that's part of me. So you're making me feel like part of me is is not is not any good or is less than, you know. And so that's why that's one of the thing, reasons why we definitely have to get to a place where we're able to communicate. And no matter what's going on within the, the parents, you know, that we don't communicate that to the child. Because whatever is going on in the adult realm of your household should not have a, be able to have an effect on your children. It will affect your children, but it should not be a direct effect because of your relationship. It should be a reflection of, you know, whatever that's happening as a result within the household. But sometimes we go through separations. Sometimes we go through divorces and things like that. So the result definitely will affect the child, but it should be an after result. It should not be the result of your arguing and your, you know, whatever that's going on between the two of you should definitely be uh, between the two of you. And um, one of the things that I, I know that plays a, a, a big part um, in our families, and you mentioned a little bit, of, uh, you hinted on it earlier, is our faith. And I think that our faith is definitely one of the most important things within the family structure because it gives you the foundation on which, you know, to build your family on. And I think that, you know, that's why we have a lot of um, issues in some of our modern families because a lot of people are coming into relationships and family structures with different faiths or no faith at all. And so one person has you know, a foundation or a weak foundation. One person may have a strong foundation or no foundation at all in which they're trying to build this family structure on. And therefore, because there's no faith to try to kind of tie it in together, it's, it's like you're building on sand. So what would be some of the, the teachings or, or advice you may give uh, to someone who's, who's beginning their family and starting with their faith and how important do you think faith is to the family structure? For sure. I mean, I feel like faith first individually is is really important, especially if you're thinking about going into a relationship. So you look at it like this. If you if a person sees their relationship in their faith with Christ as what it is, a relationship with God through Christ. So it's a personal relationship, it's a connection. So if you see that relationship as a connection that goes with you, it's it's a lifestyle, it's a culture, it's a development. And then if you're trying to merge your life with someone else who may have another faith model, another religious culture mode, well, if that is important to those two individuals and then you're trying to merge someone that has a different belief than your faith, then you're starting off with 
two people in relationships with different people spiritually while you're trying to come together. So it, it, it's important to be able to acknowledge where your faith life is. It's like, is this a lifestyle for me? Is this personal for me? Is this something that I want to be a part of my life and the raising of my children? Because then when you talk about raising children, if you're going to model your faith through Christ and scripture, then the Bible says train them up in the way they should go. But if the other person, the the other parent is like, nope, that's not what I'm going to do. So it's like, how are you going to walk out that portion of faith in so many ways if the other person has a totally different way of looking at the world? And who we are, it comes with us in relationship. Um, and being able to realize that if your life is grounded in faith, and you want to continue to live a life of faith, having someone to partner with that faith actually can build and cause growth and strength as opposed to someone who doesn't, that can cause tension, doesn't make the other person a bad person. It's just that it's a completely different way of navigating the world, navigating your spirit, navigating day-to-day -day decisions that can now all of a sudden become a point of contention and conflict that the person they didn't have when they were alone. Because when you come together with someone, everything now is overlapping, connecting, you know, from faith to food, to habits, to lifestyle. It, and, and all those things have to be considered. So it's like, if we're going to build our families in faith, it's valuing having that intimacy with God. It's valuing the person of God in that relationship. It's not like, you know, somebody go visit. Like for me, that was like a charge in my heart. Don't make, don't make me somebody they visit on Sundays and Wednesday. So don't make me a church kind of guy that you only teach your kids about me or they only know about me from what they hear at church. And even going through experience just like COVID and church was like locked down. It's like our lives building and leading our families is not about going to church. That's a part of it, but it's our lifestyle of cultivating relationship and faith and living, as you were saying, integrity. That's what our children learn from. They learn from that rich example, not just because, okay, I'm just going to send them to some church and somebody else will teach them. No, if, you, if you're a person of faith, the commission is to the parents to teach yes. their children to model that lifestyle of love. So um, even the scripture says faith works by love. And so I believe that as living out faith with love is so enriching and empowering because you're literally feeling that your love relationship with God is something you want to introduce to your children as so that they can meet they can get to know. And of course, it's their choice, but you're living a life and you're introducing them to someone you love and mm -hmm. to be able to experience that. And so, yeah, people come from different places in their faith. They come from different areas of growth and all the things. But ultimately, 
to be on a trajectory of growing in faith just like a beautiful plant. I believe that that is so important because we can be anchored in peace in the midst of chaos. We can be surrounded by joy in the midst of so much divisiveness and turmoil. These are kingdom promises and principles that we can incorporate into our children. Well, even the scripture says, loving kindness and the mercies of God go down a thousand generations. So just incorporating those blessings, incorporating those words of life over your children, that parents are speaking life over their children, that society is not determining who your children are, that your children know that they are loved, that they are valued, that they are blessed, that they are prayed for, that they are cared for because they have parents who believe in the value of faith. Yes, yes. And and I and I think that uh, one of the things that, that we as, as a faith community have to definitely uh, realize and keep at the forefront, forefront of our mind that even when we think about faith or think about church is that we are the church, not the building, but we ourselves are the church. So even in the midst of COVID, when the building was shut down, church was still going forward because it was still going on within us as the people who make up the actual church, right? So we are the church. Yeah. And so when we have that understanding and we, when we walk in that as the church, then it's easier. It's easy for us to teach that to our children because, again, it is part of who we are. It's part of our lifestyle. It's part of our relationship with our Creator, and not just you know where we're going to learn at this place on a Sunday, and then the rest of the week we do whatever we want to do. You know. And then I, I, another thing that I, I think about is even when you come from different faiths, you know, or different strengths in your faith. You know, as when you come together as a unit, there are some, you know, conversations that have to be had and some uh, um, adjustments needed to be made in order to still maintain a, a healthy family. And so even in my, my own life, my mom and my dad grew up together, you know, so they had known each other their whole life. And so when they got married, my dad has never really been a church guy. He's, he goes to church. Occasionally when my mom would ask me to or whatever, but he's never really been a church guy. My mom, on the other hand, was all in, always, you know, and went from, you know, being a, a regular member to being a minister to being a pastor, you know, of a church. And yet you're married to a guy who is like, eh, you know. <laughs> so when it comes to how they decided to raise, our, uh, raise us in faith, my dad was like, hey, he supported my mom. So when it was time to go to church, even though he didn't go, he made sure that we were up and ready and, you know, and going forth. And even the principles which uh, was held from our faith, he made sure we upheld them, even though he did his own thing. You know what I mean? But because this is what we decided that we agreed or they agreed that they're going to raise us as a Christian family, then we were going to stand by those Christian morals and values in which our mother was leading us. Because again, my dad wasn't necessarily a church guy. However, he was the disciplinarian and he was the guy that held up the standards that was set for the family. And so when my mom set up, set us up in faith to say, hey, this is what we believe. This is how we're going to react. This is how we're going to carry ourselves. My dad was right behind her in agreement with her and said, yes, I agree. This is how it's going to be done in our family. And so 
even with those different aspects um, of the family, I do think it, it can be done, but it definitely has to be some some conversations that need to be had. And, you know, just some, uh, I can't think of the word that I, that I want to say, but, you know, just some, some, some things that have to be adjustments that have to be made to make it work, you know, w within the family. So, um, so Francine, I, I thank you for being on. I thank you for being on. I, I want you to tell us a little bit more because I know you have um, your life coach uh, your program. And so I want you to tell us a little bit more about your program and, you know, what you do with that to, to help the people that come to you. And then we'll, we'll go a little farther. So tell us a little bit more about your, your coaching program. Okay. Uh, well, part of my program is to be able to help people decipher and um, to get to what's important for them. One of the things that I found important is self-love and living emotionally healthy because um, some of the things that I began to recognize was that some of the behaviors um, that hinder people from walking and you know being their best was not recognizing that their behaviors weren't reflecting really that self-love, that loving themselves. Because sometimes we think that that's a given, um, mm -hmm. but sometimes the behaviors can reflect that you know it's not receiving that kind of self-love and self-respect that God initially wants us to have. And that can shift for different people for different reasons. So part of the program is to be able to really help to stir um, self-love and help people to walk into that. What does that look like? Helping people to be able to live emotionally healthy. You know, it's like there's so many people really dealing with the battle in the mind. And truthfully, that's really where it is. How do you really navigate what that looks and feels like to be able to have um, to navigate your mind in a way to speak life over yourself in a way that you're not bombarded with negative thoughts, past experiences? You know, sometimes helping people to go forward is recognizing that there's some things that in the present day thought patterns that are hindering their forward motion. And so being able to walk with people to help them to acknowledge those things so that they can really sit comfortably in that driver's seat to walk in the purpose, because everybody has one. They're all different, but everybody has one. If you're alive and breathing, you were born with a purpose. And um, the purpose is within and to be discovered. So I often ask people, what were their interests when they were children? What are the things they like to do? Um, because a lot of times those are, are, are just posts, signposts of who we're supposed to be. Sometimes people are directed in a different direction when they're children. So they squash their real unique self. So part of that is also helping them to be due to, to do that. And then also being able to encourage them because I have people who want to, to grow in their faith or what does that look like, you know? And I see people from various walks of life, various forms of faith, um, um, and it's really allowing people to be able to hone in on that their life has value, purpose, and meaning to realize that they have been given the greatest love and to be able to live out that love, to be able to understand that one of the greatest gifts God has given humanity is their choice and that we always have that ability to choose. So, you know, that's what I do for fun. 
and and it's a it's a mission within itself. I like something that you said is helping people to see that they have value and purpose, and and that's in line with with my mission also. And I just I really appreciate that, and, and I'm glad that you you work with people on even that self love, and and I know it's a a now you're hearing it a little more, you know. But even in 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 my work and in my time outside of you know the podcast, just conversations with people, I've learned that a lot of people don't have self love, and even if they do think that they have it, you know, some of their uh, actions say differently, you know. And I've met a lot of people who have you know uh, uh, self sabotaging habits where they say, oh, I want, they have these grand dreams of this is what I want for myself, and yet your actions and is undermining the very dream that you have, you know? And so that's why I think that, you know, programs like yours and, and life coaches and coaches just in general are such an uh, um, asset to the lives of our, our everyday people, you know, because it allows us to see ourselves in a different way. You know, because we've been with us our whole life. You know what I mean? So in our own eyes, it's like, hey, this is what it's supposed to be like. It's like, no, sometimes it takes someone on the outside and say, yeah, but did you look at this? Did you see this? Did you recognize these traits that you are carrying that may not be in the best interest of who you say you want to be? You know, and then that's a whole nother thing of of getting people to actually live out who they say they want to be. You know, because a lot of times we are easy to speak. This is what I want and this is who I want to be. And then it's like, okay, so when are you going to start working toward that? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so that's a yeah. whole other thing. So I really appreciate you, uh, uh, Francine, for Thank being you for having me. Definitely uh, appreciate you for the work that you do. Um, I would like to have you just to, I'll I, I leave you with the last word. I'll let you have the last word. But I would like you to leave us with um, a word of advice or, uh, I don't know, inspiration, whatever the word is that you want to leave us with. Um, I'll let that be your choice. And then also uh, share with us your social media handles and where uh, we can find you and be, you know, be able to work with you. So I'll give you a, a second to, to think about that. Um, so to my listeners, thank you guys once again. Uh, for tuning in to the Deal to Heal with Me James podcast. And I know I told you at the very beginning that I would tell you how you can win $100 from the podcast. And how is that? By entering our super subscriber contest. And if you win, you win $100. So what does it take to be a super subscriber? You just need to subscribe to our YouTube channel. You need to subscribe to our Facebook page and you need to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify. And after you've done those three things, then you text the word WIN to 866-326-0730 to qualify to win $100 uh, as our super subscriber winner. Again, subscribe to our YouTube channel, our Facebook page, and our Spotify podcast. Then after you've done those three things, text the word WIN to 866-326-0730 to qualify to win $100. The contest is random and it's ongoing, which means you can win at any day, at any time. All right? So, again, you guys need to check that out. Mitch Francine, again, thank you so very much for being on. Thank you for taking out your time uh, to bless myself and my listeners uh, with your expertise. 
I'm going to give the uh, floor to you and allow you to have the last word. The floor is yours. All right. Thank you so much. And um, you guys can reach out to me on Instagram at Life Coach Francine. And please come to my website, FrancineCoach.com. And I want to encourage you, your life is as full, as rich, as meaningful as you will allow it to be. God destined for you to walk in purpose, to walk in joy, and to walk in victory. It's yours. All right. All right. We can't end it no better than that. So again, guys, this is Ernest James. This is the Deal to Heal with E. James podcast. And our mission is to help people to deal, to heal, and to fulfill, to deal with your problems, to heal from the pain, and to fulfill your purpose. And so until next time, we will see you guys next week. Be blessed. Hey guys, I know you're enjoying the podcast. However, don't forget to join our text line at 866 866- 326-0730. That's 866-326-0730. In order to receive text messages with new events and things that is going on and new episodes as they release. All right. See you in a minute. Thanks for listening to the Deal to Heal with E. James podcast. Remember to listen, like, subscribe, and share. This episode has been brought to you by Deal to Heal Teas. Put some inspiration in your situation. Wear an inspirational tea and be inspired all day. Let's go to dealtoheelteas.myshopify.com. Remember, our mission is to help you to deal, heal, and fulfill. Deal with your problem, heal from the pain, and fulfill your purpose. Thanks for listening.